give it a name, whether you want to call it foxes or gremlins or something, because that's a whole lot easier to say, hey, we need to work on the gremlins in this business or whatever it happens to be, because that's a whole lot less threatening and say, hey, we need to work on everything uh, that Josh is really bad at. Well, hey, good day and welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. I am here with my good friend, Josh. Hey there. How's it going? It's been awesome. Midway through the summer. That's we're right. having a great summer. Beautiful day. It is. Um, we even did some consulting and coaching yesterday. We were just hanging out at the pool with our kids, and it was just fun. So sometimes I encourage <laughs> we should everyone. should have done a poolside podcast. We should. Well, then it would have been more work. But we yeah. were having fun with our friends and family, and that That's was right. nice. So I want to encourage everyone this summer, do some fun things because, uh, you know, indirectly, that's what we're talking about today. Today's podcast is all about coaching ourselves. What does that look like? Because if we don't properly coach ourselves, mm-hmm. we are not hitting what we um should be hitting in Mm -hmm. our personal life and our business life and what that looks like. So we're going to dial down on that today. I was looking at uh, 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7 this morning, and uh, Paul's saying, share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So I, I chose that verse because I'm like, so why coach? Why, you know, whether you're thinking of uh, someone... Um, a soldier or Mm -hmm. an athlete or a farmer, they all want to be the best that they can be at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And typically you think of an athlete, well, why do do athletes have coaches? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously to get the best out of them. You need someone else's perspective to help you achieve what you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And no one says, hey, that's a weaker Olympic athlete because that Olympic Olympic athlete has a coach. They should have done it themselves. How dare they get a coach? You're like, well, of course you have a coach. Why wouldn't you have a coach? You want to get the gold medal. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, obviously. It speaks for itself. So, you know, think of – so I asked Josh – Think of a think of one of the best coaches you've ever had in your life. I mean, there's lots of different coaches. Mm-hmm. I, the coach that I think of for myself, and um, I'm going to say nothing but good things about him. When I was in high school, I I was an elite high school track and field athlete, but I got to the point where I. I my high school coach had taken me as far as he could have, mm. did the very best he could. So in my senior year in high school, I went and I paid for my own private coach. Um, he was the former, um, I, don't, I can share his name. His name was Al Bonney. He was the former University of Washington head track and field coach who then coached privately. And I hired him for the year. He actually uh, was also coaching uh, another Olympic athlete and some other very high-end athletes. I hired him to coach me as a senior in high school because I needed a higher-end coach. I had risen as high as I could rise with my high school coach. I needed another coach. Mm-hmm. And the fascinating thing with Al, it was, I remember showing up to uh, a track practice the very first time. He's like, okay, we're going to start at three. I showed up at three. He's like, okay, we're ready to go. You've warmed up, right? And I'm like, no, that's what my coach makes me do. He's like, no, we're at that point. When I show up, the workout starts. So you show up 45 minutes before that, you warm yourself up. Mm. When you get to that level with different coaches, they expect more out of you. And I hear I realized, oh, 
I hired a big time coach. I also need to raise my game because he was there to take me to the next level as well too. Mm-hmm. So that's what Coach Al told me. And yeah. he was a very, he still is to this day, a very amazing track coach. So well, what's a coach that you think? Yeah, that's interesting. I had thought about your question. I, I don't have the same experiences you do, you know, certainly. Well, it can be a coach um, with anything, though. Yeah, no, and, and I have some mentors and others, like, non-athletically oriented. But it, I, met, I thought of uh, interesting an experience I had in high school um, with a with a football coach. I was not a, a terribly great football player, but <laughs> but it was. Um, You're just short. You would have been great if you were six well, foot was, four. Was, and... Well, maybe, but but it, <laughs> I went to a, not a very good high school, so it wasn't hard to be decent. I mean, I was I was one of only five or six guys who lettered the entire all, all oh, wow. every year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was one of that's saying something. One of a few, but um, anyhow, uh, there's a longer story behind that. But interesting, going into my senior year, having been kind of a part of the team, but. But not a, not a starter. Um, I got really sick uh, working on some summer actually ministry work with a church group. Longer story for another podcast. But um, I got really sick uh, to the point where I lost ten pounds. Mm. Uh, Might good going pounds. into football. So going into football, so I'm already yeah. small, right? So that doesn't really help. And, and muscle matters. And I, but I pretty good, put on some pretty good muscle, especially over the summer or the winter, I should say, um, from the previous seasons going into my senior year. Um, I was squatting. You know, 300 pounds, pressing 185 really for someone mm-hmm. my age or my size. Anyhow, um, was going to compete for starting job, either wide receiver, cornerback, or both. Um, but I got really sick. Um, and going into two days, I was not going to. Um, I actually was thinking about just not going out. Mm-hmm. Like I was just that sick and that behind, and I was not in shape. And I was like, it's just not going to happen. Two days starts next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd been in for fluids in the urgent care three days before like the big Saturday weightlifting day, which is like when you go in and raise some money by pumping a bunch of weight and then two a day start the following Monday. Right. And I mm-hmm. missed the Saturday thing cause I was still sick and I get this call from him, which he'd never called me. Yeah. So your coach calls you. Yeah. Coach calls me over the weekend. He goes, Hey, where were you? He's never called me before. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, yeah, here's the thing. I'm just sick. And, I just got back, and I just don't think I can do it. And he said something to me interesting Interesting to me. He said, um, he says, he was a psychology teacher, by the way, like high school psych Great. teacher. So I really look back, I knew what he was doing to me. But he said to me, he goes, he goes, here's the deal. He goes, if you don't come out and you sit in those stands and you watch us all year, you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering, what if? Yeah. He goes, but if you come out, you give you a shot, at least you'll know. He goes, and I'll give you a couple breaks. Like, because he knew I had to get back in shape, mm-hmm. right? Other guys are showing up for two days full, ready to go, right? And I've done my best to stay in shape, but it's hard when you get that sick and you lose that much weight. Um, and so, you know, with his encouragement, I went out and there were a couple of times when I had to sort of step out of a drill to get myself back together, right? From a, just mm-hmm. a <laughs> being in shape. Um, and I didn't start, um, but I got a chance to play a little bit more on special teams that year than I had and had a chance to sort of be a, I think somewhat of a inspirational leader to the team. Thanks to him. Um, and, uh, at the end of the year actually won both a coach's award and a player voted award. 
so that was pretty cool um, because but, that would not have happened and one of the, without him. So, And one of the things that you said that he, and I was going to touch on this later on in the mm-hmm. podcast, a coach is to be an encourager. Yeah, that's what he was. And yeah. and jumping ahead, not only just a, hey, a rah-rah, a coach is to encourage us when we win and when we fail. Because mm-hmm. essentially, you were sick. You had lost 10 pounds. You all, he, not, none of that is good stuff but he he encouraged you even when some stuff hit the fan mm-hmm. which is the role of a coach well and i would say taking that further a good coach is always giving you the opposite perspective wherever mm-hmm. the extreme you find yourself in right if you find yourself a little bit too high and mighty they're also able to bring you down apparently mm-hmm. somewhat gently but <laughs> so i came into so this podcast is a podcast on coaching ourselves and when i say coach ourselves i'm not saying hey how can we coach ourselves mm-hmm. just Josh coaching Josh or Mm -hmm. Eric coaching Eric. No, I'm talking about, I believe everyone should have their own personal coach or coaches, but -hmm. there also is a degree as we coach ourselves. I have, I have multiple coaches that coach me, but at the same time, I need to know the ground rules. What, what makes those coaches more effective at coaching me? There are three key points. Number one is honesty. Always be honest with ourselves. So for example, um, at work, if I don't hit our numbers, I have to be honest with that. I can't fudge with the numbers and say, hey, mm-hmm. we didn't have a good month. Or in my marriage, I can't say, hey, my marriage is fine. No, it's not. Or what, What you know, if it's not. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a great dad if my kids don't like me. Or what if it's not going. We cannot improve if we're not thoroughly honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying post this on social media, things aren't going well, but we need to be honest with ourselves mm-hmm. so we can evaluate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I would say, you know, part of that is self-reflection, self-awareness, um, issues of reality, right? Oh, that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. but one of the, one of the issues I think this isn't, a, I think most business leaders we work with probably understand this better than others because being in business forces you to maintain a grasp on reality just because you can't just whimsically run a business. But I think today's culture in particular, reality and truth are harder and harder to grasp. Um, This, I think this honesty with ourselves is sort of a connection to this concept I work on with consulting both with others, but also in that coaching myself is method many methods i employ to sort of maintain my grip on reality and when i get off of that i have to find my way back to it relatively quickly Mm -hmm. you know i can't maintain this sort of far afield view of reality for very long (laughs) no absolutely so number one is honesty with ourselves Mm -hmm. and and we're going to get into areas as we coach what area are we talking about but number two hopefully we all have a coach we need to give our coaches full permission to be honest with us about anything Mm-hmm. whatever so i give my coach full um I, tell me what you see even if i disagree with mm-hmm. um i have a female coach right now um and she does not always hit a hundred percent she has missed consistency con- not consistently but you know on several occasions so your coach will miss with you but you have to give them permission to tell you what they think all the time. And I suspect even with the miss, it gives you a different viewpoint that helps you get to the right answer. Absolutely. Right? It's not like you were there and then they no. gave you something and you went back to you where you it, were. It's I mean, a calibrating shot. Yeah, you know, Because exactly. even if you miss, yeah. you can say, well, then 
you know, a good relationship. Well, hey, you missed here. Well, why? Yeah. Then by dialing into the why they missed, mm-hmm. well, then it, maybe it's a body language thing that I'm doing, or maybe I'm just off. Well, what caused them to think mm-hmm. in a wrong way? So some people will get offended. Oh, they thought this about me. That's not the right question. The mm-hmm. right question is, why did they think that about you, even though it was wrong? Mm-hmm. And a good coaching relationship, we've got to give our coaches the opportunity to be completely honest with us. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, and I think the other piece I would add to that is, depending on where you're at with hiring a coach, which is something we would recommend, to, and for seasons, right? And that's maybe, maybe not need a coach all the time. It's not a permanent yeah. stat, mm-hmm. state. But what we have talked about is also surrounding ourselves with informal coaches and advisors, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of work that that um, I do with others from a consulting perspective, more of it as an advisor even than a cons- uh, coach. But even then, it's 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 most beneficial when I have people around me, at least, who I've given permission to to be as honest as possible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just say, rip me a new one, and, and you're one of those, right? We talk about stuff, and it's like, what do you think about this, right? And it doesn't mm-hmm. help me if if I if I don't think you're going to give me the complete honest truth, even if it's I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I want to go into so what we should do is whoever our coach is, hopefully it's one of us. But if if it's not, find a coach that can be completely honest with mm-hmm. you. But second is. Uh, I'm a member of the ICF, International Coaching Federation. One of the things that we strive to do as ICF coaches is to come into coaching relationships unbiased and with an open mind. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is we all have baggage. So if I'm going to get coached by my 18-year-old daughter, as an example, I'm going to have a hard time because I know everything about her. I've seen her since the moment she was born and yeah. you know coming forward. And that's hard because you have all the baggage of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Not even bad baggage. It just well, is. It's, it it yeah. is baggage. Yeah. It's good. And so sometimes, and you know, you, you want to find a coach that is as unbiased as possible because what we're looking for is truth and honesty. Right. Tell them, I see this. Tell me more about this. Tell me more. I'm curious. What does that look like? So the second thing a coach, you know, one is honest with ourselves. Two is a coach has got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so take take your high school football coach. Was he being honest with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the situation, I mean, as honest as possible. At the same time, encouraging, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and he wanted a, a fourth-year varsity guy on his team, even right. if he's 10 pounds lighter than he should be. He wanted right. you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, now, the third thing, as we coach ourselves, mm-hmm. we've got. Here, here's the number three. We've got to be willing to work on change. So a, lo- a lot of people will say, "Hey, I want to be coached," but we're really not willing to put in the effort. Mm-hmm. You're not willing to work the 12-hour workday that the business needs. Mm-hmm. We're, they're not willing. Uh, my my relationship's not as good as it should be, but I'm not willing to go on date night with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. How, how we, we cannot make improvement if we're not willing to work on change yeah no and i, and I would say by extension of that it's, it's examining you know what we're doing being very to, back to the honesty piece but it's willing to change what you're doing today what habits you either have and need to stop or change and what other structures systems resources you're employing need to actually be um redeployed differently right Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of ways you can either turn stuff on and turn stuff off and really refocus your priorities right and that's hard work it's not easy people don't really really want to when they examine that so well every time you change something there's a you know momentum's going in this direction Mm -hmm. so if we're going to change you have a force Mm -hmm. going against the momentum and Mm -hmm. that's hard hard work typically at first right as we've talked about once you start once you start cutting that path 
mm-hmm. from a, the neurons in your brain, right? It's, it's easier if you can if you can get over that first month long hump of something new. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and, and even better if you have a coach yep. encouraging you and a team, team working on, you a, on, on yep. a goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my favorite things, and I learned this within the last year, is the the whole 2% rule. And I when I go at something, I go at it full bore. Oh, let's change everything immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why am I burning out so frequently? Mm-hmm. It's because I... And they're like, you know, how about 2% change? Yeah. What is, well, I can do 2%. That's mm-hmm. easy. That's, you know, instead of having a donut for breakfast, that's just having a protein shake for breakfast and leaving everything else the same. That's 2% change. Mm-hmm. Well, over the course of years, that's monumental right. 20, 30 pounds. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we don't have to make these large, large commitments. It's something as simple as 2 a two percent change. Mm-hmm. So in business, what do you think that looks like? You know, for a business to make a small two percent change. Yeah, I mean, it depends on obviously what we're diagnosing is the issue, which I think we're going to talk okay. a little bit about the different sort of dimensions of change. But if it's you know, well, if, I'll, I'll give you an example. So yeah. for the first example, might be someone's career. So yeah. if someone needs to make a career change, but right. let's just say two percent, what might that look like? Right. Yeah. If it's a if it's like a full blown career change, which I envision as a different job in a different industry. Okay. Different. But let's talk two percent. What would that look like? Right. So two percent would look in my mind would look like um, beginning to find a board seat on an organization that's touching the space you're interested in okay right and beginning to serve so we're not talking job change you're no, just sitting on the board no, sitting on a board or um or you know as i did for a while before i became an independent consultant i started doing it on the side mm-hmm. right it was sort of a side gig because i was able to do both for a period of time to begin to get some my feet wet and exposure and you know, begin to work on some small projects, a few hours here, a few hours there. But that's very easy to wrap your hands around because right. would you be willing to sit on a board for 12 months, mm-hmm. one day a month for an hour, or whatever that looks like? Yeah. Uh, another area that we can work on, you know, our personal change would be finances, mm-hmm. either at work or personal. So mm-hmm. what might two degrees of change be on a career, uh, a financial thing, even within a business or personal finances, what does two degrees look like? Well, it's interesting you say that actually, because I've I've done some financial coaching, I've written some financial coaching curriculum um, on the personal side. It, it depends, I think, in my my understanding, of the research actually depends a little bit on what the current state of your finances are. Right, if your finances are such that you are severely in debt and in over your head, you actually need somewhat of a initial shock treatment to get you back on track mm-hmm. in terms of things well, like people listen to this podcast let's assume that they're above average <laughs> i don't know the average american is pretty tough shape but yeah, um but, but where i'm saying is what yeah. would two percent yeah 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 like? i mean two percent looks like um having a budget right awesome talking about it with your spouse moving towards a single credit card that's mm-hmm. a shared finance s- scenario, right? Trying to unify your spending, making it transparent. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of little things. You, I'm not saying do all this. Well, let me once, give you an example that yeah. we used at our business. What we did is we took one, we have a lot of different line item categories in our business. What we did was we went crazy detailed on one of the line items. That was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that was a two, two degree change. It's not like we completely blew the budget up we took one of the line items of which there's lots and we went all the way down looked at every invoice every receipt which was a nice Mm -hmm. it wasn't that threatening because it also wasn't a personal but personal category but we just looked at it in detail it was a nice hey 
And actually, for us, it was like, hey, things are actually in order. It made us feel better about the other 98% of our budget by mm-hmm. dialing down on this 2%. So it doesn't always, and the reason why I was saying 2%, some people are threatened. We're saying, hey, let's look at everything. Yes, yeah, there is a time to blow everything up. Not usually. Not though. usually, no. Not mm-hmm. You can't blow everything up no. all the time. No. But a 2% change is, in, is very, very feasible. And for someone that does that frequently you typically then don't need to blow things up. Right, right. A lot of small change. Yeah, no, a lot of small change. And you're talking about a good business example. Mine was more personal finances. But e- but either way, they're, they're both very you know useful to look at things and, and begin to build the muscle habits, especially because I think in your case with the business example, you help to provide the um, accountability to folks who are realizing you you might dial down on their cost center, mm-hmm. so they better start paying it, you know, minding their P's exactly. and Q's. Even if you didn't go into theirs, they're mm-hmm. going to start watching more closely. And on from a CEO's theirs. perspective, mm-hmm. I personally chose a very un, a very safe category, mm-hmm. and which kind of says, hey, you never know which one I'm going to dial down you on You never know next. which one's next. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, you know, we talk career, finances, you know, there's physical health, family, friends, you know, relationship with our spouse, mm-hmm. uh, personal growth, fun and relaxation is a fun way to coach ourselves on. Like, for example, one of my goals this summer, I want to hike the Wonderland Trail. For those that don't know, that's the 93-mile hike around Mount Rainier. It's been a bucket list thing of mine. That's one of my personal goals this summer. It's a long ways. It is, but hey, that's a fun, and it's not all goals have to be hard. Just, hey, I want to hike the Wonderland Trail. There can also be the physical environment. What do our office look like? What does our house look like? What are we going to work on? So when it comes down to personal coaching, honesty with ourselves, a coach has to be honest with us. We've got to be willing to work on change ourselves. Small changes. Absolutely. Right? We're not asking people to change everything overnight. No. Yep. No, not unless you're... Well, unless you want to burn out and not make any change. That Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so now... There are other things, and I was thinking of, you know, the biblical, you know, as the biblical example of, uh, I I would call them dealing with foxes. Um, But as we try to make change, things will work against us. There Mm. is some current. And, you know, I, I use the example of foxes. It comes out of the Song of Solomon. You know, there's the, he says, don't let the foxes ruin your vineyard. I'm paraphrasing because, you know, in a vineyard, you have these gorgeous grapes. So a fox will come in and nip at the very base of the grapes. And if you obviously cut the root, it the entire vineyard's going to die. So it's, it, he's saying in the Song of Solomon in relationship to marriage, don't let the foxes ruin your vineyard. Hmm. Now, you don't have to use foxes. I've heard, uh, was reading a psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Amy, and he calls them gremlins. Don't let gremlins come in. Or what I would encourage people to do, give it a name, whether you want to call it foxes or gremlins or something, because that's a whole lot easier to say, hey, we need to work on the gremlins in this business or whatever it happens to be, because that's a whole lot less threatening and say, hey, we need to work on everything uh, that Josh is really bad at. Mm-hmm. You would take that personal. Whereas if I were to say, hey, let's work on the foxes that are not, you know, kind of gnawing at our budget. What what are we going to call the gremlins and foxes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you usually do when you have areas and, you know, you're coaching other businesses? What would you call them? Yeah. Um, you don't want to say, hey, we need to work on everything that Steve's bad at. Well, and the challenge is that, you know, when consulting with businesses, there's certainly... Um, 
we've talked a little bit about character deficiencies and it's one of the things mm-hmm. that comes to mind is you got to figure out how to work through um, natural dysfunctions that exist in certain working groups. Absolutely. Right. And I'm thinking of a, a client I had one time who um, we'd, we, we'd, there was lots of challenges during COVID and a lot of strategic challenges facing the business. And, and, and we had talked about, you know, forming sort of an equity stake in the company for me. Um, and, and, and to that, to that end, he wanted to sort of form a very, um, intimate relationship in terms of just having like a level of deeper conversation beyond just business. Right. And so he started talking about his past and, and, um, he started sharing some very personal stories, um, including some issues of fidelity mm-hmm. of, of his own sort of mistake, uh, making. And, um, I was a little bit shocked at his honesty. I appreciated it. Um, but what I came to realize from a, from a character or to your point, like a Fox's perspective mm-hmm. is those issues. He was honest about them, but we weren't ever confronting the impact that was having on the business and having on his ability to lead the business and his ability to then actually be an honest business person because mm-hmm. someone who is tempted to, or even pulled into actual infidelity issues that has repercussions on your business, you know, interactions, right? Absolutely. And if you're if if you are have proclivity towards infidelity in your marriage, why would you be any more faithful to your business partners? Yeah, right. Really. And, and and so those things were left when left sort of un uh, improved, right? You you can say them out loud, which is a good start, but you don't actually attempt to sort of address the real yeah. root issue. And the real root issue has to yeah. come back to the honesty in the whole situation. Exactly. And this yep. is that's another podcast for another day yep. on how to deal with major problems. And right. But I will say it comes back to, of, of the three topics, number one, honesty. And I've done a lot of study on reconciliation, what that looks like. And one of the best ways, if you look at a recovering alcoholic, what typically makes a good recovering alcoholic mm-hmm. stay sober? The ones that I've interacted with, they're honest all the time. Mm-hmm. They, you can bring it up at any time. You can talk about it at any time. Mm-hmm. And that is part of their recovery process. When we have sinned and we've, we've made mistakes, hey, Josh, feel free to bring that up anytime. I know, I know I've you know, sinned against you or I've done this wrong. Feel free to bring it up anytime because that one, it makes you feel better because you can bring up this issue at any time, but it also helps keep me in check right. if it is something that I have done against you. Or I'll say, hey, we talked about it once. We never need to talk about it again. Don't you bring that up. Right. Are you going to trust me? Yeah, no. Hell no. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> So as we coach ourselves, you know, honesty with ourselves, coach being honest with us, and number three, eight, small incremental change. So next week on the podcast, you know what? We're going to talk about how we can coach others. So Mm -hmm. people listening to us, yeah, I assume you're working on yourself, but how can we coach others in our organization, Mm -hmm. in nonprofits, in our family? What does that look like? And what's really cool is this stuff goes in on itself. The more we work on ourselves, the more it blesses others as well. That's right. So, hey, until next week, visit us on the consultantandthecoach.com and uh, don't miss next week when, hey, we talk about, hey, what does it look like for us to coach others? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, take care.